Welcome to this Changeboard Future Talent Podcast. Today we present to you the Jobs for Life panel presented by Kirsty Donnelly from Changeboard's Future Talent Conference in 2018. Don't forget to subscribe to the Future Talent Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Kirsty Donnelly, Managing Director at the City and Guilds Group, chaired a panel discussion with four individuals at different stages of their careers called Jobs for Life, Staying Employable Throughout Our Lifespan. Reflecting on the changes happening in the workplace and also our longer life expectancies, Kirsty called on the perspectives of our panel to discuss how employers can make the most of a multi-generational workplace. Hello, good afternoon. Yes, thank you. thanks very much. That's great, Tim. Uh, well, hello, and uh, welcome also to my panel, who you'll be hearing from uh, in, in a moment or two. I'm going to do something that I haven't actually prepared, so I hope you're going to engage with me and not leave me sat here like a bit of a lemon. But given this conference is all about you know, future talent, and, and as you'll hear in a moment, we've certainly got examples of future talent and reinvention sat with me here on the stage. I just wanted to sort of get a sort of a sense of where people are when it comes to the apprenticeship agenda. So um, how many of you, you can put your hands up, how many of you at the moment are actually actively engaged in recruiting apprenticeships or have apprenticeships in your workforce and there's about 750 in the room so great can't well okay I think so we're certainly well over half okay put your hands down second question thank you is would you put your hands up if you are actively engaging or working with apprentices who are say older adult apprenticeships let's say over the age of 35 hands back up yeah, as I expected, the numbers come dramatically down, dramatically down. That's interesting. We'll probably come back to that. Won't we, June and Jed, in a moment? So um, I've, got a, I've got the prev- privilege of uh, being here with this panel. And, and really, in many respects, we're going to take a number of the insights and themes that have been running through all of this morning, but particularly interesting what Emma has just been saying and sharing with us about the scurry or exciting 100-year life. Some of us might make it. Some of us may not, but nonetheless. Um, And of course, the most important thing about that, and and the reason it's serious in this room today, is it's about how do we plan? How do we plan for that 100-year life? How are you thinking about it already for your workforce, um, workforce planning? Because what's clear is that we do all need to keep learning. We do need to keep reinventing ourselves um, if we're going to be successful in our 100 years' lives. And, of course, maybe even for affordability reasons. And I'm sure um, our panel is shortly going to provide you with some wonderful insights as to why that is an investment worth making. It's no longer, as we just heard from Emma, the fact that we're going to get educated, get a career or two, and then retire, knackered. Uh, and ultimately the inevitable will happen. That's not going to happen anymore. We need to rethink. We need to reshape our careers. We need to be responsible for that as much as our employers need to be responsible for that. And of course careers are no longer going to be single, uh, single careers. They're going to be portfolio careers. And, and there is going to have to be a level of reinvention, reinvention in, in doing that. And of course the other theme from today has been about harnessing diversity. And I think straight away you'll see that there is some diversity on this panel. Because diversity across generations is a great way to grow and develop talent, to gain different perspectives in the workplace. But of course, it can create cultural tensions or can it create cultural opportunities? Does it help solve problems or does it create conflicts? And again, we'll hear a little bit of uh, some views from the panel on that. How do we as employers cope with embracing the cultural diversity 
of the four generations that we now have in the workplace today, the grandparent potentially working with or competing with the grandchild for the job. And again, I'm hoping this panel will share some of their perspectives. This morning, Deborah talked about the tribes and how we operate in them and how we belong to our tribes. And it, it made me think about the opportunities and challenges that exist around the various digital tribes that we, we tend to associate with now in the workplaces today. So the Gen X CEO or the Gen X HRD that's in this room today, that means you're probably between 38 and 52, if you didn't know that. Or even the baby boomers, aged between 53 and 72, and I think we've probably got a few of those in here as well. Um, BA, well done, exactly. And we want more, and we want more. Um, and, um, and of course, you know, when we think, about, we think about the opportunities with this sort of cultural diversity, to think about maybe this Gen X, this digital immigrant being reverse mentored by a Gen Y. So I'm sure, again, that's a theme that Jed's going to uh, pick up on. And of course, now we've got the Gen Z coming through, the up to age 22s, known as the technoholics. I don't know whether, again, that's going to... Oh, there we go. We have a t I have a technoholic sat next to me. So, but seriously, how can we as employers start to maximise on this sort of 100-year planning uh, melt, melt pot of richness and experience and diversity so that we can combine all of these tribes together in the workplace and benefit from that cultural ri richness. And in fact, some research that we did very recently at City and Guilds Group, which we deliberately did amongst older and younger workers, showed that the vast majority, in fact, over two-thirds preferred working with different age groups. What they did want, however, though, was training in order to be able to, to manage that effectively. So it's clear that's a, that's a theme. So I think we should probably, not in any age order, start to introduce the panel and we'll get on with the conversation. So turning first to June, June Evans, um, the theme of June's career has been reinvention. In fact, uh, in June's words, when you left school, uh, when she left school in the 70s, women were either expected to be a secretary or a shop assistant. Shocking, really, if you think about it. Starting as a secretary, June worked her way up in a carogenics company, leaving to have children before reinventing herself with a career at British Gas, where she became EBOSH qualified. Life again intervened, and June took early retirement to care for her mother, and with that, she then re-entered the workplace. She's now taking an HR apprenticeship at Marston's and has no intention of stopping and working and reinventing anytime soon. So please welcome June, and we'll come back to June in a moment. Thank you. And then, turning here to Millie, Millie Stonell has already had been working in a capacity since you were actually the ripe old age of 15. Indeed, And yeah. you don't mind sharing how old you are now with us, do you? I'm 22. There you go. <laughs> so she's already well on her track to a 100-life career. But um, since she was 15, Millie decided very early on, she was very determined she wanted a career in hospitality. So she, called her, she secured an apprenticeship at Hilton Hotels, and she's so impressed her company that only recently she's just been promoted to an events executive. So even while she's doing an apprenticeship, she's already had her first promotion. So that's... Fantastic. But Millie had to find her apprenticeship independently after going through lots of courses uh, at her local college that really weren't supporting her in respect to the career that she wanted. At the same time, she was working part-time at the hotel. So Millie had to take her own initiative to find her apprenticeship. So uh, welcome, welcome, Millie. <laughs> Now, now to Jed. <clears throat> Jed's got an, an enormous amount of people skills experience that he's, um, he's obtained over a variety of careers. Again, another reinventor. Uh, Jed spent a, a, a long time, 25 years, in the Royal Air Force. Then he moved to a career in IT, I think, for over 10 years. And now he's moved into healthcare. So Royal Air Force, IT, and now into healthcare. And Jed is actually taking his first work-based degree at the age of, and I hope, don't think he might be saying, 61. So a baby boomer <laughs> taking his work-based degree. <laughs> 
and, it, it, and, and in the world I come from, we don't like to use the world trailblazing, uh, but in, in many respects, uh, uh, Jed is really trailblazing the way because he's actually also studying a very new kind of uh, degree in nursing. But of course, what Jed, Jed has done over the years that he's built up his experience is use those to actually help mentor others. So brilliant, Jed. And then last, by no means least, we've got Callum Smith. Callum was actually pushed down the university route by a sixth form, but luckily while he was working at a veterinary practice, he was actually, I think, helping with the books, not cooking the yeah, books, was, helping yeah, with the helping. books. When Deloitte came in to do an audit and they spotted talent straight away and suggested that Jed might, uh, sorry, Callum might want to think about maybe doing an apprenticeship. So he applied for the big four. He didn't actually go to Deloitte's in the end. You, you chose KPMG because you really yeah. like their, uh, their recruitment <laughs> process. So anybody in KPMG, well done. You've got your recruitment process right. right. And, and, and uh, Callum is now studying his second year of his six-year apprenticeship, at the end of which he'll achieve professional recognition in, as an accountant, so brilliant. And he's found um, his experience so far of working with people of all levels just incredibly valuable and important. So we've set the context, you've got the idea that Callum will produce. We haven't, even, we haven't even started yet and we're getting applause. This is great. Let's see if it carries on. So, um, June, I'm going to come to you first on this idea of reinvention because it is something you've done, I think, at least three times from, from what I've counted. It is, yeah. And, and I think during that time, you must have obviously had to acquire lots of different skills along the way. But how different are the skills that employers are expecting from you today from when you first started? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as you've already said, when I first started out, the options I was given was... Uh, sales assistant or I worked in an office. I didn't need an awful lot of qualifications for either. I needed to either type or basic numeracy skills. So people weren't actually looking for an awful lot at that point in time. Today, there's, there's so much opportunity out there for people um, who are entering the workplace. So obviously, uh, employers are looking for a lot more skills. They're looking for um, problem solving. Right. Um, technology experts, can you use computers, can you use all sorts of uh, programmes. Um, and have you found that? How, how, how have you managed to cope with that? Because clearly you're great at reinventing yourself, but has that been a really big challenge for you? Have you had lots of support from your employers? I have been really, really fortunate in the, in the two companies, the two main companies that I've worked for, which is British Gas and, and Marston's, that they have they don't look at age, they look yep. at you as a person. Yeah, the holistic you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, are you willing to learn? Do you want to learn? Do you want to get on? And as long as the answer to those questions were yes, they would give you all the support that you needed. They had fantastic um, training programmes, in-house training programmes. Yep. So all of my skills have been obtained Great. by working and through the workplace. Has there been one skill that you have found really quite difficult, um, you know, in, the, in, in later years versus what you had to have at the beginning of your career? Has there been anything that you've really looked at? A younger person and thought, well, they just seem to do that so naturally, and I have to really work hard at that. Social media. Social media. <laughs> well, well, we'll come back to that. I was kind of priming you for that. I thought you might say that, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. And, 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 Jed, what about you? Have you had similar experiences to June in that respect? Um, yes and no, I think. Um, when I left school... 1973, with a mixture of role levels and, and CSEs, again, I was expected to either go to university, which is very, very rare, or go to polytechnic under that route. So I joined the Air Force, um, and I was trained all the way through the Air Force. But now, I think it's more... Um, or in those days, it was more labour-intensive. Yep. Nowadays, it's more intelligence-intensive and, and people-intensive yes. uh, as regards to labour-intensive. Uh, so the skill sets had to change, but I think the Air Force taught me that, yeah. to adapt and adapt and adapt. 
and it, I've just melded slowly into each career. So, so yeah. in many respects, you just feel that the Air Force almost gave you, as well as the actual technical skills that <clears> you obviously had to learn for the job you were yeah. doing, the occupation you were doing there, just this richer employability That's right. set of yeah. skills, which we know is still a, we still know that's <clears> the holy grail that we still haven't managed to completely solve. Yet, and, it, so. and it gave me a, a sense of calm, I suppose, as well, thinking, well, if I've got to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. You know? okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's come back to the skills in a moment, yeah. and we'll definitely come back to this, uh, the digital uh, agenda. But just uh, moving now to, to Millie for a, for a moment or two. I mean, we heard a little bit, we were listening at the back there when Emma <coughs> was talking about this 100-year career, and I was sort of thinking yeah. of you guys particularly, and sort of working out how many years you had to go. So if we were to say you had to work potentially for another 50 years in some shape or form, yeah. would you be daunted by that? Well, saying it like that, that is <laughs> comes across quite daunting. But if you think about it in the long term, no, not at all. I, I love working. So I'm now in a profession, in a company that I absolutely love. The job's stressful, it's busy all the time, but I love it. And also, I, as um, we previously said, the amount of opportunity that's out there, you don't have to stay in the same field. So I could potentially move into mes medicine in the next five years yes. and then pursue that career, and then I could potentially look at doing another one. So the possibilities are endless. It's just it's down to you what you want to do. And I think that's quite an interesting, because actually we've got examples here of, you know, June and Dick Jed, who have really genuinely reinvented yourselves, but mm. you probably had to work really hard to do that. And yet here we have the sort of, you know, the younger generation, yeah. uh, the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the digital natives who actually just accept that that's going to be part of what you do. And yet, actually, Callum, you're training to be an accountant. Six-year apprenticeship, that's a long apprenticeship by any standards. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think you'll reinvent yourself in the next 50 years? or what, what's your view of that? Potentially, um, but then you know, we're at a firm where you can do anything and everything. Um, I might reinvent myself within the business or outside. It's, it's hard to know looking forward on that sort of timescale. But you know, if you've got a business that will help you sort of do different things, try different things and prevent you from getting bored essentially, um, I think that's really what you need to be doing in yeah. this sort of time. And, and just tell us, Callum, actually, while we're with you, a little bit more about your experience of trying to even, you know, because obviously, you know, you are studying to be an accountant, you've chosen the apprenticeship route, you're working with KPMG, so great. But, you know, it was quite difficult, wasn't it, for you to, to, to actually take that route, not because you didn't want to, but because almost the education system almost tried to get in the way of you doing that. Do you just want to tell yeah, us a little and, bit about and, that? Yeah, and, you know, I think it always comes back to the argument that, that schools don't do enough. Um, and obviously that, that's a big statement to stay and each school is individual uh, you know, and they have different resources available um, but the best way is really that businesses can do more and I think the best way for them to do that is social media which I think you're going to bring up and send in people from your business to, to the schools that they came from yep. give them the chance to talk about their journey and that really has two big benefits which is you know, it, it sort of tells the story to the school about what's out there for, for pupils but also it gives a, a business a chance to attract really strong talent. Yeah. And, and Millie, what was your experience of that in terms of... I know obviously you were at college, you were looking yeah. for courses, it didn't work for you, so in the end you just took the initiative yourself. But, yeah. I mean, what's your view of Callum's experiences? Would you, would you echo that? And you'd like to see more employers engaged earlier on if, with you at school, maybe when you were 14, talking about apprenticeships? Yeah, yeah I, I would agree, because we obviously did have people come to the school and explain about the benefits of the apprenticeship, but... It, it just didn't seem right for me. And when I was in school, apprenticeships seemed like almost lower class in comparison to getting your GCSEs than going to college. So yeah. I think that was kind of a lot of pressure on it as well. So I went to college. I was going to go to university to do dance. Uh, then I decided that I was going to pursue the hospitality Great. sector. And 
I haven't looked back since. Yeah, so. well, and dance, given we know this 100-year queue, you might be doing dance in between. You never know, so you never know. know. But, I mean, we, we did this sort of live poll a moment ago, and we saw, a, you know, probably oh, well over half hands go up for people who are engaged in apprenticeship now, but it dropped right down to a handful when we talked about the older adult apprenticeship, and I hope you don't mind me putting that definition on. And, and obviously both of you in different ways represent that. I mean, how do you feel about that, June? And what, what is it employers are potentially missing out by, by not engaging with people like you to be an adult apprenticeship in their workplace? Well, I think they're missing out on a, a, a huge um, pool talent out there, really. Uh, just because we're old doesn't mean to say that we haven't got loads of experience. Absolutely. We've got lots of life experience as well. Um, I was very fortunate that my company um, had the faith in me for me to be able to take a, a CIPD yep. um, apprenticeship at the age of 60, because yeah. um, I've got no intentions of retiring at 65. No. I, I, I love work. all the way to 100. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of people of my age out there that have still Absolutely. so much to offer. And then when we think about the issue, the reskilling issue and all the That's things right, we're yeah. talking about today and the amount of roles that we still don't, still don't even know are invented, what a great opportunity to start thinking about retraining people for those roles as they become invented. And Jed, I know you play a big role in sort of mentoring some of the younger people yeah, as well, I, don't you? In my, in my case, there's 32 people in my cohort and I'm definitely the oldest and they range from about 23 to 60-ish. Um, and they, they treat me like the granddad of the course. It's, it's, it's quite nice. And they'll come up and say, Jed, you've done this before, or you've seen that. And whatever. I mean, I've seen a lifetime of things in the military. I've seen things I wouldn't want people to see. I've done things I wouldn't want people to know I've done. But they come up to me and say, what do you do about this? What do you do about that? And the contraside is that they help keep me young. Yeah. And so if I was on, um, on say, on um, The Chase next week, and a, a question came up on young pop music or whatever, or grunge, I'd be in. So it works both ways. We, yeah. The elderly have got an awful lot to, to offer yeah. um, in life experience and skills and way of dealing with people which the younger people haven't been taught at school, yeah. but they have to pick it up somehow. And know. that's a brilliant lead into yeah. sort, of, sort of my next sort of thing, really. And I think everything today has been about the, the, the people, the engagement with people. It, you know, life and work is about being human. Mm. It's about human skills when it comes down to it. So mm. I think that's great. And one of the things we touched on is about um, inclusion. And uh, it was something Deborah talked about this morning. And she talked about the tribes. And then I was mentioning before about the Gen X versus the Gen Y, now the Gen Z. But I was just wondering, you know, how much has digital technology, how much is things like social media, I mean we know it's changed it'd be silly for me to say, has that changed since mm. you started work because yeah, of course it has but, no, um, no, we had stones and tablets well, I was going to say, yeah, what do we have, fax machines and big mobiles maybe, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was about it, wasn't it yeah, exactly, but I mean how have you coped with that, because you know, I know you said social media was one of your challenges but you know, you've just given a good example where I think you're implying that the younger people in your cohort yeah. are helping you. Yeah. So that that's sort of reverse mentoring, yeah, is I that? Mean, I mean, the old days of nursing when you, you did all the observations on paper, that's gone. It's all done onto uh, little tablets now and it goes off to a central system and if a patient's really poorly, it rings another nurse and says, you've got to go and look at this, you know, yeah. a senior nurse. Um, so they're teaching me that. Yeah. But bearing in mind I started doing IT in the 80s. So I have got an IT You've background, got, yes. mm. yeah. but I just can't use my fingers very well. That's <laughs> <what I'm thinking. laughs> the sausage thought, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I suppose, um, June, what you were sort of implying there was that you do think employers maybe should do more to provide that sort of training, because there's an element of expecting it to come through the younger generations, like Millie and Callum, but in your case, still very active, still very successful in your career. If you haven't got that skill set, it's going to be hard for you to acquire. It, um, it is, because it's... it's it, 
it's it's huge now. It's mm. something that you you have to have. Yeah. Um, and I, I have had to rely on my son and my colleague, who's 20 years old, and she has helped me through it, and my son has helped me through it. Mm. But the work environment have done no work regarding social yeah. media okay. or technology in that respect at all. That's so th that is really important. That's probably a good message, actually, for some mm -hmm. of our employees here to, he to hear. And, but as, as I said, I think, in a way, though, what you've both described is a great example of, of things happening, evolving naturally, and yeah. therefore that sort of reverse mentoring, which I think is lovely. And, uh, and, and, and we were just reflecting before we came in about how you won't remember, and for, for some cases weren't even born, when we had a workplace, we had sort of the first mobile phone, which was that big and a fax machine and a desk and that's how you did your work I mean how is it for you I mean you just wouldn't imagine work without digital technology would you I, I don't do anything that's not in some way linked back to my laptop or my iPhone um, and to, to sort of go back to a manual age I just couldn't couldn't picture it and, 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 of course, Millie, well, there you go, there you go. That's what you need to be designing, recruiting for and training in the future. And, Millie, obviously, for you, although you're in the, the, the hotel business, Hilton, yeah. it's a very people-orientated environment. Definitely. So you still have to have your people skills. But I assume technology is still a very key part of what you do. Definitely. We've literally just transferred over our new system. And when we were talking about the different age reflection, my colleague, who's actually my work mother, she sits next to me. Great. And we've noticed that sort of difference as we're learning the new system because there's aspects that I can get the hang of instantly but she struggles with so I have to sit there and explain things to her but then if I spoke to my younger brother who's 14 he would tell me things that I had no idea about so it's constantly evolving which yeah. is something we need to look into. Brilliant. Well, listen, I'm conscious I'm probably going to start running out of time in a moment, so I want to just let you have almost the last word, really, because you've been amazing, and I think you've given us some great reflections and insight, and I hope um, our employers uh, listening here will have taken on some of the message you've given. But perhaps if we just maybe gave you all about 20 seconds each and just give you a slightly different angle. So maybe Callum and Millie, if you could think about what you would say to this 750 fantastic audience here, when they're thinking about their future talent today... Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you think matters most in how they should be thinking about how they attract and recruit you? Callum, start with you. Social media, social media, social media. Um, <laughs> it's, even for me, there's parts of social media that I don't use, Insta Story, Snapchat, all the rest of it. But there are parts of it that I know big businesses are using and to target young people, and it works because that is the easiest way to get on young people's radar. And... People don't know the name KPMG when they're 15, 16, cool. but it flashes up on their Instagram. Now they know it. Brilliant. Um, and I think that's what people need to work towards. So employers not be afraid of it, absolutely yeah. embrace it and use it. Great. And Millie, what's your thought? We're linking into that social media, um, showcasing your flexibility, the opportunities that you have to offer. So like you said, I've got a promotion already and I've only been in the company for three years. So what you can offer to us show that you're better than anyone else in comparison. Brilliant. So really compete for your talent compete, rather than it being yeah. a one-way street. Too, too often it's a one-way street. You want them to show you want them to win, you want to interview them, really, Definitely. basically. Brilliant. That's a good thought. And then sort of June and Jed, maybe changing the theme a little bit, what would you also say to this audience if you were thinking about this idea of a more diverse and culturally rich and inclusive workforce? What do you think the benefits are, given what we've just been talking about? Oh well, we've just said it. I mean Age, colour, creed should make no difference at all. You should look at the person. And when you have got um, diversity in a workplace, it works better because people will bounce off each other. Uh, as you said, with you know, you and your work mom is the same as me and my colleague. She helps me, I help her. It's a win win. 
It cost us. Yeah. Your employee engagement will go up. Brilliant. Employee engagement. There you go. There's your, there's your ROI on uh, why you employ more people like June. And Jed, what about you? I think the word's been said all day today, hasn't it? Inclusiveness or oh. inclusive. And I think everybody, every single person from the age of 20 to 70 or even 100 in a few years' time yes. has got something to offer. And I think you have to draw on that and say, right, we can't use them physically, but what they can do is give us a wealth of skills, of personal skills, with personal skills, by mentoring, by peer-to-peer -peer support and things like that, just to help them through and, and build the strongest workforce you've got. Thanks for listening to this Future Talent podcast. If you want to hear more from this year's Future Talent Conference speakers, make sure to check out our website, changeboard.com, where you can find videos and interviews from our incredible lineup. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon. Thank you.